Welcome to the Destiny Podcast. Um, I want to talk about today judgment. And uh, not in the sense of like hellfire, brimstone, all that kind of good stuff. I love talking about that as well. Um, you know me, that's my core message. Um, but uh, I, the topic of judgment is really interesting to me. And, and it's something that's really um, challenged me in my like Probably the last kind of couple of years, it's really kind of um, messed with me a lot. Um, in that I've found that I'm a lot more judgmental than I've ever thought I was. Um, because my concept of what judgment was, was kind of quite um, quite rudimentary. And so the more I started to look into it, I was like, man, I, I think judgment is a lot simpler in one sense, but a lot deeper than we actually think it is. And actually, we participate in judgment most of the seconds of the day <laughs> and it's, it's a really hard habit to break but actually i'd say it's probably one of the root causes of most pains in our life not maybe not most pains um but most suffering and so you know for me i would say pain is inevitable it just is it's part of being in the world god suffers pain you know god's god is grieved god gets hurt god gets upset so you know we don't get to escape pain and even the Bible in the, in, the Old, in the New Testament, throughout the New Testament, promises, look, there's going to be hardships, there's going to be trials, there's going to be suffering. There, you're you're going to go through some rough stuff, and that's actually the way this whole thing is supposed to be going. You don't get to escape it. Um, but actually, you know, um, as much as the New Testament uses that word suffering, I kind of want to separate pain and suffering a little bit in that pain is stuff happens to us. You know, someone we love gets sick, someone dies, you, uh, you lose your job, you... Whatever it is, like something happens, you know, someone betrays you and, and, and you experience this pain and it hurts and it hurts a lot sometimes. But actually suffering doesn't actually have to be inevitable. Suffering is this kind of ongoing pain. And actually, I think the root of most of our suffering is actually found in judgment. Um, and it's when we start to try and evaluate the why behind the pain. Um, and the why behind people's choices, their actions, their words, the things they do. Um, so I just want to touch quickly on judgment. Um, you know, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures for you. But in, in John 5, um, verse 22, Jesus says, The Father judges no one and has given all judgment to me, the Son. And so, in, you know, a lot of times you think about judgment, we often think, oh, there's Father God sitting in his big throne and he's like watching us and he's like making notes and he's going to judge us for everything he would do wrong. But actually, Jesus says explicitly, the father is going to judge nobody. I am the one he's given the judgment to. But actually, a few chapters on in uh, John 12, he says, if anyone hears my words and does not do them, I do not judge him because I have not come to judge but to save the world. And so you've got this dynamic that Jesus is kind of painting, and albeit it's in very kind of split up parts of the scripture, so it's, it's, it is spread out. But we see this, this uh, concept that Jesus is establishing that the Father God is not your judge. He's not here to judge you. And then he says, actually, he's given all judgment. The judgment role is in my hands. And he says, further on, he says, but guess what? I'm not going to judge you either. I'm here to save you. What I want to do is save you, not judge you. And so, you know, what, what that leaves me with, I sit and look at that and I go, so who's judging me, right? Do you ever kind of, like, you look at that and you're like, okay, so Father, Son, maybe the Holy Spirit, right? Well, um, if you look at uh, John 16, it kind of, again, points to Holy Spirit doesn't have that role either, does he? He convicts us of his righteousness. He, he's constantly speaking who you are over and over and over again. So 
what we find is actually if we look again at the Gospels and Jesus' uh, speeches and orations on judgment, we find him saying, you judge you. Your judge is you. And that, to me, is kind of a bit scary, um, honestly. Because um, I'm really good at judging. <laughs> I don't want to be. <laughs> you know, Matthew 7 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So it's saying, look, if you judge others, you're creating a standard by which you become judged. The measure that you throw judgment towards others is the measure it comes right back again at you. And again, Luke 6, kind of same passage um, or same uh, message, uh, whether it's a different time, slightly different wording, or whether it's the same time, but just someone's gone into, Luke's gone into more detail. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap, for with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So we like to use that like when we're, again, speaking on tithing, right? So when we go to money, we love the give and it'll be given back. The measure you give, the measure will be given, right? But actually, the context of that was, look, the way that you judge is the way that judgment comes right back at you. And, you know, I think the reason for this is that judgment creates a reality that isn't real. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a, a world of difference between observing something and judging something. Um, and we can, we can observe things all the time and we all observe things all the time. It's a very healthy thing to do, to observe something, you know? Um, and so, um, someone can, um, say something really mean. We can observe that they said something mean. That's true. It's it's a fact. We saw it. it, We heard it, it. It happened, but we step into judgment when we start to answer the question, why did they say something mean? Because what we do is we suddenly start to uh, assume that we know what's going on in their heads. Hey, come on in. Um, we, we presume to know what's happening in their heads. And so when you ask the question, why, we move from observing into judgment. Hey, guys, how you doing? Um, we're just talking about judgment and, and, um, and just how... We often see people do something, and that's, that's good and healthy. We observe it. But then we ask this question, why did they do it? And then we step into judgment. And, and the, it's, it's the asking why is what ends up hurting us. You know, someone can do something, and that causes the pain, and, and that hurts, and, it, and it, it, it's not fun. But when we start to ask why, what do we do? We, we end up creating a reality that isn't real. Because the simple fact is, even if you're close, you're wrong. You just don't know what's happening in other people's heads. You know, you, you just don't. We don't know what's happening in the person opposite's heads. And the reason for that is simple. We're not that person. And everyone thinks completely differently. Um, people can be brought up in exactly the same house, in the same scenario, the same uh, background, the same schooling, the same parents, and they still think differently. And so the odds of me going, ah, Chris is clearly thinking this right now, are astronomical. Um. He's obviously, he's look at that gaze. He's like, oh, this guy is so wise and amazing. Good looking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we don't. We, we, we're really good at um, jumping in. But we, we're, I, I say we're good at doing it. That's probably unfair. We're well-practiced at doing it. We've not got any better at it either, though, because we, we're never going to get good at guessing what's in someone's head. And you can know someone for years. I mean, you have couples that are married for 40 years. 
And the second they step into judgment, they still end up being wrong. And the problem is when you, when you start to create this, um, this judgment, it does. It creates this world that you are then trapped in. You're, then, you're, you're trapped in your judgment. And so, you know, um, so an example, let me give you this example. It's kind of funny, but um, it happened to me years and years ago. Um, I was at church and uh, we were just before the service, just chatting away. And I was standing in the aisle um, about halfway down the, the church and the pastor came in and I was quite young and I really wanted the pastor to like me and, you know, like who doesn't, right? But you're all like, oh, the pastor, he's really great. And I was very religious at this time. And um, I was one of the youth leaders and I was just like, oh, you know, whatever. Um, and it was a very conservative church with quite a hierarchical kind of thing. And so everyone was kind of like wanting to be good and suck up to the pastor so that he would like you. And then maybe like he would give you more responsibility or whatever. And so I was really in that zone anyway. Um, so I, what the pastor thought of me was really important to me, right? And it might not be the pastor, but I'm sure there's people in your life that you kind of go, oh, I really want them to like me or I want them to think well of me or think I'm great or whatever it is. Um, and so I was, I was like that. And the pastor comes in, it's maybe like a couple of minutes before the service comes in. He gets in and he starts walking down the, the, the aisle. And, and so I turn around and say, oh, hi, pastor, whatever, it, whatever his name is. Um, and it shows you how long ago this was. I can't remember his name. Um, I can't remember his name now and I'm not going to say it. Um, so he walks down the aisle and I say, oh, hi. And he just completely ignores me and he just keeps walking. And I'm like, What? Who just ignores someone? Like that's, that's a whole le- another level of rude in my book. Like I need to go, hey, Chris, and just walk right past me. I'd be like, uh, seriously? And he just he walks right past me. He gets in the front. He starts talking to someone at the front, probably like associate pastor or someone like that, sits down and, and whatever. And the church service starts. And, uh, and so the whole way through worship, I'm like, who does this guy think he is? Like, are you kidding me? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm Mr. Pastor, but I'm too good for Phil. Like, too good to talk to Phil. Or, or and I, I can't remember all the different thoughts, but I was like, I was getting angry. I was like, oh, maybe. and then I started second guessing. I'm like, oh, maybe I did something this week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did that. And I did that. Maybe he found out about that, you know. And, and I'm starting to get in my own head and just freaking out. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe he knows that I did this and he's, he thinks badly of me. And, oh, that's going to affect me. And maybe he'll kick me off the youth leadership team because I did this or I said that. Or, and, and, he's, and I'm just like freaking out the whole thing and then he's preaching this service and and the whole time he's preaching i'm like oh yeah whatever he's preaching about love he couldn't even say not hi to me you know and, and so i'm like all these different thoughts and all this different stuff's going on and anyway the service finishes and we're chatting having tea and coffee and um and as we're chatting um i'm chatting to one of my friends or something i can't remember and i, I feel a hand on my shoulder and i turn around and it's a pastor and he's like hey phil he's like i just realized he's like i only realized like halfway through worship phil said hi to me he's like i was like in the zone he's like i was out all last night i was um praying with this family they've got a i think it's a son or a brother or something's dying in hospital i was praying with them i was staying with them in the hospital and i i basically got like two hours sleep woke up prepared my sermon got in the car drove here ran down the aisle to get ready and talk to my associate pastor and he's like and it was only like halfway through the worship i was like oh my gosh phil said hi to me and i completely walked past him and he's like i didn't want you to think i was rude or anything like that he's like but how's your day going or whatever and i am just thinking Oh, I am the worst person alive, right? Because I've thought these horrible things about this person that's like basically a saint, right? I mean, he stayed up all night and he comes and says sorry to me, right? And I am like thinking the most terrible things about this person. And what had I done? I, something had happened to me that upset me and I can't do anything about that. You know, some people just are going to upset you or hurt you and that's just life. And most of the time they probably aren't even planning on hurting you. It just happens. Um, but I had decided to answer the question, Why? 
And I had so many questions of why. Actually, I created about 13 different worlds that I was suffering in. And, and what we do is we create this world and, and we now live in it. We are stuck in this world saying, oh, this is what this person is like. And this is what they think of me. And this is what I, I'm like in their eyes. And none of it's true. None of it. But we're suffering. And we're in pain. And it's affecting our relationship as well. Because if he hadn't talked to me, I probably would have gone the whole week, weeks, maybe years thinking this guy, who's this? I mean, I left the church. I don't know. Probably not. But, you know, but this is the sort of thing that happens when we ask the question, why? When we try and fill in that blank of what's going on in that person's head. You, know, you can only ever know the fruit that people are, are producing. You can't know the, the root that causes it. You just, you just don't have that capacity. And, and the truth is, even when you're right, you're wrong. Like, even if you manage to somehow guess what they're thinking, it's, it's wrong to think that you and presume that you can do that. It's just not a healthy way to do life. So even if you're very good at guessing, and I talk to people, you know, I've, I've given this message before when I'm preaching and someone comes up to me and goes, ah, oh, but, but Phil, you don't understand. I've got the gift of discernment. God has blessed me to know what people are thinking. And I'm like, whatever. Like, honestly, I'm like, whatever. That's not what the gift of discernment is, so that you can uh, pretend to know what everyone's got going on in their head. And even if God does reveal, you still, you want to have relationship. You've got to have dialogue. And actually, healthy relationship doesn't come in guessing. It comes in communication. And so I think one of the big things that, that causes us to do this is that we really struggle with the concept that the world doesn't revolve around us. And, and the truth is, as, as something that we kind of, on some levels, we can't remove ourselves from. On some level, the world revolves around us because I'm at the center of my universe. I have no, there's a, there's a um, I can't remember the medical term for it, but there's a special term um, for this moment where you kind of can remove yourself from being the center and you kind of like can look on at your life from a, a, a far away point. And actually, there's some people that, it, they, they kind of have this psychotic break where they can no longer live like within, but they kind of like live almost as a third person reality and they kind of witness their life happening. And that's not normal. We can't do that normally. We live right here and all of you, everything you do in your whole life all revolves around me, right? <laughs> Basically, because I'm the Brad Pitt of the movie and you guys are you know, waitress four and cab driver two. And, you know, or but you know what I mean? We, like everyone out there is just an extra in my movie. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but better looking. <laughs> and not as well dressed. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and we know this, right? We know this, that, that we kind of have this... Uh, it, it, and on some levels, it's selfish, but I don't think it's a, it's not a bad selfishness in some senses. You know, I don't think God um, has made us to be um, the center of our own world and then is like, oh, that's wrong. You can't do that. I think we're supposed to be the center of our own world. It's our life that we are living. Um, and in that, we choose to, to become selfless and serve others and think of others and all of that different stuff. But, but you can't really devoid yourself from living your own life. Um, but we do have to be conscious that we are in that place, that we that we are uh, constantly living life um, in our bubble. Every, this is what's important. And everything out there is just a little thing that happens to my life. 
you know, I don't spend every moment of every day thinking about what Chris is thinking or how he's doing or all that. Like, he's a person in my life. Um, and I love that. But it's not 24-7 thing. Even if you're married, it's not a 24-7 conscious thought. What is the other person doing, thinking, being, you know, how are they feeling? That's not even in, um, in a marriage. In a healthy marriage, it's still not a thing because you're you. Um, and that is another person. And, and so I think we have to be conscious that that is the case. And, and in that, we suddenly realize that most of the things people do to us have nothing to do with you anyway. Like, and this is probably one of the most offensive things that I kind of came to the realization was that most people that have hurt me, they weren't even thinking of me when they hurt me because they're thinking of themselves and they're just doing their life. And, oh, sorry, I said something that upset you. But truth is, I wasn't even thinking of you when I said it. So it's not like it was me sitting there with a notepad all last night thinking, what's the most mean thing I could say to Rachel, right? No, no, no. I just came in and said this to Chris and Rachel got upset, right? And it's like, I wasn't thinking about Rachel at all when I said that mean thing. Or that at least I wasn't intending to hurt her in any way. And so, but because we live this kind of very, um, inward focused life for this folk, this life that thinks I'm the center of my, the universe and everyone walking around me is constantly thinking about me. Why? Because I'm thinking about me. Why would there be any different? <laughs> and this is why, you know, when you start judging, you're, you're guaranteed to be wrong. Because the truth is when you, when someone says something mean and you go, oh, they may have said this because of this, 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 this. You're judging them with the way you think. And that's all about me. The way I think is ultimately, on some level, revolving around my world, my perspectives, my thoughts, my light upbringing, my whatever. But you're putting your brain in theirs and presuming that they are what? Thinking about you the whole time? Probably not. Hate to burst your bubble, but they're not thinking about you. They're, they're thinking about themselves the whole time. And, you know, the whole time is probably unfair, you know, and... and and when we think about ourselves, often that is in relation to others. But even when I think of my relation, or even when I think of Chris or Rachel or, you know, any of you guys, I'm thinking within the confines of my relationship to that person. It's still, on some level, selfish. It's still, on some level, focused on, I'm not saying selfish in a negative way here. I understand that, you know, but I just, I just mean it's, it's, a, it's a dynamic that is rooted in me. So when I think of Timo, I think of Timo in the, in, in the relation I have to him. Um, you know, we, we, and so what we do is we, we presume to think that everyone around us thinks like we think. Um, there's a great quote, and it's, uh, you don't think like I think, but I think you do. I love that. And it's kind of like silly playing words. And, but it's so true. You don't think like I think, but I need to remember, I think you do. And so whenever I step into judgment, I need to remember, you don't think like I think. So what I'm suddenly saying in my answer to the question why is guaranteed to be wrong on some level. Even if I'm close, it's not going to be right. Um, there's a, there's a famous saying, and I used to love this saying a lot, and um, it's, it's that we judge others. What is that? Actually, I've got it somewhere. We judge ourselves by our motives, but others by their actions. And it's the, the concept is, and I agree with it in part, um, the concept is, you know, when you do something wrong, you're like, oh, but I meant well. 
But when someone else does something wrong, all that you care about is they did something wrong. You don't care what their intention was. But actually, I like that, but I don't think it's true. Because the truth is, we do judge others by their motives. We just make up their motives. We look at that action, and then we go, and this is why. And it's, and it's, and it's what damages our relationships more than anything else, I think. It really is. You know, you guys are doing your loving, uh, what's it called? Keep your love on. And like, this is so, um, this is so compatible with that and intricately woven into that, that we cannot be people that fill in the question why. We should be the people that ask the question why. And often we don't even need to ask the question why. The truth is, most of the time, something hurts us and we just go, you know what? I'm being a big baby. They probably weren't even thinking about me. What does this say about me? How do I grow in this situation? Because the truth is, when someone hurts you, it's probably a bigger opportunity for you to grow and deal with the pain and realize, why did I even get hurt when someone says that? Why do I even get hurt when, um, I don't know, you text someone and they say, oh, I can't hang out with you today. And you're like, oh, they obviously don't like me anymore. It's like, you probably have an issue here, right? Because all they're saying is, I can't hang out. They're probably at work, you know? <laughs> you know. But for some reason, we start to make it this big. And it's like, well, this shows I've got some rejection issues or I have this uh, need for acceptance or whatever it is. And we can go, maybe I should just work on that. But if we, if we can't let go of stuff, we have to ask why. We have to sit down with someone and go, what, what's going on? You did this and it hurt me. And, I, and I've, I've forgiven you. You know, I don't even know if I need to forgive you because you might not even meant it or anything like that. But like, so, so it's not a big deal. And I don't want you to think, you know, I'm crying myself to sleep every night over or anything like that. I'm dealing with it. But I do want to know, did you, did you mean something? Did, did I say something? Have I done something that's hurt you or said something? You know, and, and we can dialogue. And then you get the answer, and you're not creating this whole world that you have to live in. Instead, they're giving you facts that you can actually deal with. And, and, it, and it will draw you closer in relationship, whereas that will never draw you closer in relationship. It's always going to pull you apart. Um, let me see where I'm going to go with this. dialogue about it i i think i guess i just want you guys to be thinking about this and kind of um wrestling with it a bit as, as you kind of go on and, and maybe this is some stuff that you've kind of been thinking about anyway as you've been doing your loving on purpose and you kind of maybe thinking about it and i know some of you guys may have heard me speak about it more before as well um but i just really want you to grasp this concept of we are we are selfish people and again not in a negative way necessarily you know i'm not talking about like oh, i don't care about that person blah blah, blah but i'm just talking about I'm me. I can't not be me. And everything revolves around me because that's how I live. I don't live over there. I live right here. Um, and being conscious of the person over there is also a selfish person. They are also in their own bubble and doing life their own way. And probably the most, the most obvious, evident truth of this, right? If, if you don't believe that the world revolves, that you think the world revolves around you or anything like that, which I, I, I think most people do, but what makes me laugh about it is that you know, if you don't think that, what's funny is when we judge others, what are we thinking? We're thinking that they revolve around us. You know, we're going, oh, they did that because of this. It couldn't be any more obvious uh, evidence that you think the world revolves around you. Because when you look at every other person, you're, you're guessing and presuming that they are doing things about you. Um, and so we really need to grasp this because actually it's probably one of the first steps in learning not to judge is realizing 99.9% .9 of the time, People aren't thinking about you when they do their life around you. 
They're, they're in their own world. They're in their own thoughts. They're, they're struggling with their own issues and their own problems. And you're just in the way sometimes. And in the way might look like relationship. It might look like being married. It might look like being an acquaintance. It might look being a work colleague. But they're in their own heads doing life. And you're in that life. But you are not that life. Um, and so it's really important that we, we grasp it. Because actually as we do that, we start, start to learn um, that the only thing we can trust is our observation. We can't trust our judgments. And the more that we trust our judgments, the more, the more our pain turns to suffering. The more those things that are inevitable turn into things that weren't ever inevitable. We didn't have to suffer. You know, we didn't have to have this ongoing pain. The pain could have been nipped at the buds by asking a question or by evaluating why did that hurt me and what's going on in me that I can deal with. And it, and it highlights this whole thing, doesn't it? That, that really, the only options we have is within us. You know, we can't change the circumstance, the person, the whatever. And so actually judging why and all this different stuff actually isn't even really that helpful. It's helpful in the context of relationship, but in me not getting hurt and me not suffering doesn't help. Because even if I manage to fix this relationship, well, the relationship over there, that the same thing might happen. So I can say, oh, Chris, when you said this, it really, really hurt. Please don't say it again. And you go, yeah, I'll never say that again. But then the next person walks in the room and says it. So, I mean, am I going to do that seven billion times? Or maybe I should just consider dealing with the issue. And so, you know, I, I don't like the, the thing that says I'm an island, you know, and, and I'm not going to deal with relationships well. And it's all about me. So I'm going to sit in the corner and become a, a like a Zen master, you know, the, the as long as I can just deal with all the stuff internally, then I can just have really bad relationships and it doesn't matter. I want good relationships, but actually I can't manage every relationship in my life and make sure it's going to be perfect. Um, and so I need to deal with the internal stuff. I need to deal with how I, how I, um, how I respond to life's pains. And so I think once we, once we kind of have these kind of um, principles down of not, um, of understanding this kind of self-life, like this, this living in our own bubble and, and understand that other people do that as well, we, we can start taking these steps of learning to um, observe, learning to look at the fruit of people's lives. Oh, that person said this. Oh, that person did this. That's good. But then when we go, because that's, that's the issue. So, and I think we, we, we start to learn and, you know, you'll see it occasionally in, you know, the young adults when we hang out and stuff like, um, you know, I'll be chatting and Nikki will call me on and go, judgment, you know, or likewise, you know, Sophie will say something or whatever. And I'll be like, that's a judgment. And she'll be like, oh yeah, no, I am. I'm judging. And, and I think we start to learn to notice, ah, I'm stepping into judgment. This isn't healthy, you know? And it's okay to dialogue and be like, oh, this is how I'm feeling and everything. And you can go, oh, wow, it sounds like you're judging. And that's, that's a real world for you. It's a completely made up wrong world, but it's as real as it can get when you're living in it, you know? And you might think a person thinks X, Y, and Z, and it's completely insane but it still hurts a lot, right? It doesn't matter whether it's real or not. It's real to you when you make it up and choose to live there. And you know, this is something that we have this infinite amount of grace for. I love it. Like, you know, this is, this is what encourages me is that we, right at the beginning, the father judges no one. He's giving judgment to the son. And then the son judges no one. He chooses to save, not to judge. And so, you know, 
we might struggle with this, but we have a cheerleading team behind us. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit are there cheerleading us, encouraging us, speaking life into us, speaking into the situations we struggle in, speaking into those situations that are painful so that we don't turn them into struggles. And when we do turn them into struggles, he's there, grace upon grace upon grace, pouring out that grace and, and giving us that um, that helping hand. He's, he's convincing us of who we are, our righteousness, and, and he's constantly picking us up and going, all right, try again. And so... I think for me, you know, I, I've been on this journey for a couple of years, really focused on I'm not going to judge people. I still probably do it a few times a day, at least, that I'm aware of, where it's big enough that it's actually hurting me. And I'm like, oh, I'm judging, right? So who knows how many times I'm doing it on a small level, you know? So, and, and so, you know, this is, a, this is a journey and it's a learning. It's like what you were talking about yesterday, Rachel, at church. It's, it's learning to break these things that you've been doing for decades. I mean, it hurts. It's painful. It's hard. It's not easy. Um, and in one sense, it's the easiest thing in the world. So you just go, I'm not going to do that anymore. Problem solved. You know, the, the whole video, stop it. I mean, that's it. That's all is required. Stop it. There you go. That's my one minute message on judgment. Stop it. Right. Slightly longer version is, oh, this might look a bit painful. This might look a bit up and down. You're going to have good days, bad days, good, good moments, bad moments. Um, you're going to have people that you find it easier to judge than others. Um, you know, people that know you're on this journey, it's going to be harder to judge them because they're going to call you on it. They're going to dialogue. You know, I've, I've, I've had friends that um, have sent me a text and said, hey, are you judging right now? Because I feel like something's happened in our relationship and I don't feel like I did anything. I don't feel like you did anything. So I'm just wondering, is something going on? And I'm like, oh, yeah, because actually the last few days I've been thinking this about our relationship and it's totally messed with our relationship. And they've, they've just noticed. And so I think having people that know you're on this journey and joining the journey with you, I think that's the beauty of, of this community and, and being in a fellowship and a community that is all on a similar journey and, and, and all understands a lot of these same principles and will call each other on it. Like, that's, that's amazing, you know? And so in, in the student house, call each other on it, you know? Like, be like, hey, I don't know if I've done something wrong, but I feel like you've taken something I've done and it's affected our relationship. Is there a judgment going on? Can I help clear things up? Do you need to ask me a why? And I think that's a big thing to, to ask someone. So it's, it's big for us when we're really struggling and we can't deal with it on our own. We actually go, no, I had to talk to this person and figure out what's going on. And we go, why did you do that? Why did you say that? And they go, oh, sorry, I just was doing something else and I didn't realize it would affect you at all. Or maybe they did do it to hurt you. Sometimes that happens as well, right? Some people lash back and that's, that's life as well. Um, and that's when you have some Danny Silk conversation. Hey, here's a boundary. You're not going to do that again. Or you can stay on this side of the fence. Um, but I think it's really important as well to give other people the opportunity to ask the why. Because I think sometimes we can realize in our relationships, something's going on here. Do you need to ask me a why? What happened? And did I do something? Did I say something that you felt was meaning to hurt you? Because we're good as far as I'm concerned. But it feels like as far as you're concerned, we're not good. <laughs> and I'd like to fix that. Um, and so I think it's just having um, this goal always of healthy relationships that don't step into judgment, that are quick to um, draw the line at our observations, evaluate, do I need to work on this? Always. The answer is always. So you always need to work on this. But actually, is there a further question of, do I need to know what's going on in that person's mind and their heart behind the action or the thought or the set, whatever they did? Um, and if that is the case, you go a step further. You don't just work on it 
here, but you actually go, hey, what's going on? Why did you do that? Why, why did you say that? Um, for me, like, this has absolutely changed my life more than probably any kind of message I can think of on a relational um, kind of vertical level, you know, like of like, or a horizontal level, sorry. So in the way that I relate to my friends, my family, um, even complete strangers, I can't think of a thing that God's kind of started to reveal to me that's, that's changed the way I relate in a bigger way than stop judging people. Let's stop there. Uh, let me quickly pray for you about this, actually, and then, and then we can just do some Q&A and we'll, we'll finish up. But. Father, I just thank you so much that you judge no one and that even in giving your judgment to your son, your son chooses to judge no one. That, God, we are our own judges and we have the opportunity to judge no one. God, help us to be people that don't live in a, in a, a life of judgment, that we don't live creating our own worlds and suffering the consequences of that. Help us see um, any areas right now that are going on in our lives where we, where we may have judged someone in, in our lives and um, help us separate, to draw the line between what we've observed, the truth of what actually has happened, of what's been said, of what's been done, and the judgment, the reality of this, this, this made-up world that we've stepped into. And help us draw the line, help us throw out the judgment and help us deal with how that observation has affected us. Help us um, be challenged. Lord, convict us where we need to be convicted of how we respond to hurts, how we respond to pain. And Lord, if we need to talk to people, help us be brave to, to have that brave communication, to ask why, to dive in, and, and to, to value relationship above everything, Lord. Yeah. God, help us just do this well. Give us grace for when we don't do it. Help us embrace it as a journey to not beat ourselves up when we mess up or anything like that, Lord, but just to understand that this is an exciting, lifelong journey we get to go on of learning to do relationships better than we've ever done. Every day, our relationships have the opportunity to be better than they were yesterday. you guys have any questions it can be about that it can also be about anything else i've talked about and it can also be um if you want me to address anything that timo said that's fine as well and lengthen my shorts it's all right timo's uh very strict uh covering of the knees is required no shoulders no knees I was, I was asked by a worship leader, by a pastor whose worship leader was a bit too cool and hip, um, who was very concerned about the way that his worship team were dressing. And I'd just been at his church and his worship team were dressed like perfectly fine. Um, and I just, I couldn't help myself, but he's like, it's really important they dress modestly, which of course is the most ridiculous interpretation of that passage ever. It's nothing to do with how you dress. Um, but anyway, um, and they're like, well, what do you think? I think that they should dress modestly. And I was like, you know, I really hold to a back-to-the-garden approach on dressing. I think that's the way that God intended it. And so I think anything more than that is probably fair. And he just, like, looked at me. I was like, that's my opinion on it. I wasn't going to engage in that one at all. God. But, yeah, it's unbelievable. Shorts are too short. Oh, some woman's shoulders might stop someone worshiping God. I'm like, 
that's not the woman's problem, really. You might actually have to address some people in your congregation that are lusting over shoulders. <laughs> anyway, questions? <laughs> Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm just. Um, you know, you were like talking about like how we judge others. Like, what about when it comes to like judging yourself? Because, like, I know I do that a lot too, where it's like, oh, like I shouldn't have done that thing. Or, like, what if you think something and you're like, oh, like, do you know what I mean? Like, what would you say about that? That's a great question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Good question. You get a gold star for that question. Um, I think that is different in that we actually do know what's going on in our heads. We do know our motives. We know our intent. Um, and the truth is, you know, I, I preach grace, 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 grace. But we, we screw up and we make some really messed up decisions. We choose to rebel against God. I mean, that's stuff that we all do even in grace. And even when we're healthy and whole, we sometimes make some really stupid decisions. And, and you know what? You should be evaluating that on a constant basis. Again, I want to evaluate um, based on my beliefs. I don't want to. I don't want to evaluate on on my fruit. And and so I think my fruit is how I again I observe what's happening in my life. So I want to look at my life, and um, I'm not beating myself up or anything like that. But I go, oh, I have this reoccurring problem with porn. Oh, I keep lying. Oh, I keep hurting people in this way. That's not good fruit. I don't want that fruit in my life. So I'm not going to sit and, you know, pick the fruit off all day because that doesn't help, right? I mean, you know, you can put a porn filter on your computer and, yay, you're perfect now. No, right? You're still undressing people as you drive down the street or whatever, you know, in your minds, hopefully, right? Not, you know, actually. That's impressive. If you can undress people while you're driving, I, I almost want to just applaud more than anything else. Um, but, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you're not dealing with the issue here by just picking fruit off. But... I think we should have um, moments where we see this fruit in our life when we do start judging ourselves. So when you see the bad fruit in your life, ask why. Because you have the answer. And Holy Spirit will help you with the answer as well, right? This is a relational aspect here. But ask why. Oh, I keep lying to people. Why? I really want them to like me. Why? I don't think I'm very secure with who I am. Why? Just... Start the why is a good question in that level because we're starting to dig deep to find the root. So in the same way that we're judging others, we only know the fruit. We can never get to the root without actually dialoguing with them. You can have that dialogue with yourself and with God. You know, I mean, because typically the whys are really hard to get at without a bit of help from God because we're not geniuses. Um, well, you know, we're not geniuses to be honest. Um, but it's it's very hard for us just to dig deep and, and find those, right? So you can do a, a sozo with yourself almost and you start going to God, God, why am I doing that? What's going on? And you start to realize, oh, you have this going on. And oh, why do I have that going on? Ah, because people were like this when you were a kid and that really changed the way that you need to feel accepted because you didn't feel very accepted as a child. You weren't liked in school or you were bullied or whatever it is. And you start to dig deep into that stuff and you go, I've got some beliefs. That actually, if I change this, the fruit will take care of itself. And so I think judgment is a really healthy, restorative process in that way of just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really um, go under a trial by fire kind of element of this. You know, and I think this is, um, this is why I love the, the concept of, um, again, we've talked about hell and heaven as, as future reality, but I love the concept of hell, heaven now as well. And this, this concept of hell as this restorative fire 
that purifies, that, 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 that brings res- restoration. The, the fire of God that proceeds from God day and night, that this is God that pours fire on us and it's painful and, it's, and it hurts in some ways because sometimes God's going, we're going to deal with this right now. And you go, oh, I don't want to deal with this right now. You know, I got, I, I, I've hit this stuff for a long time for a reason because it's going to hurt. And I know it's going to hurt when I deal with it. And he goes, no, let's deal with it. And it burns everything, the chaff, the wheat, all this double, it's all gone. And all that's left is gold, silver, and jewels. And that's amazing afterwards. But in the process, that process of going, why do I feel like this, God? Why is, what is going on? Why am I producing this bad fruit? That can be painful. But it's, it's a good, it's, it's, it's a good process. You know, this, this, this process of going through that hellish experience is, is not fun at the time, but, but it always leads to that heaven on earth that we are experiencing the abundant life he made us for, that we're experiencing all that he has for us. Um, and so I think that's a really important aspect in, in one sense um, to be, yeah. Critical is the wrong word. I mean critical in the, in the more academic sense than the kind of like the um, base word of critical. So like to critique, to, to sit and think and go, why is that? What's going on? What can I do about it? Like I, I want to be a person that does that with my own life. When I see bad fruit, I want to go, what changed? What's going on? What beliefs have I got that's, that's causing this? Especially if it's new. You know, what changed is a big question to ask. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's really important. Did that help me? Do you have a sound back? Do you want to record that? Sorry. I mean, I think what you're describing is correct, but what most of us experience is that running commentary all the time. That, you know, you did this because that, you that, you that, you this, you're not this, you whatever. And I think when we think about, sometimes when we think about, you know, judging ourselves, we relate to that and just get in this spiral of, everything we're not and everything we did wrong. And I just think that's a real, maybe demonic is too strong a word, but it can be a demonic thing. I mean, it's just such a accusing kind of commentary all the time. And that isn't the judgment that we're supposed to live in. I mean, that just needs silencing and shutting up and, you know, declaration of the truth about who we, who we are. Yeah, that's, that's condemnation versus judgment. Judgment is almost a neutral thing. It's, examining things for what they are. And I, in his life, that's a perfect thing to do. It's just like, oh, this isn't good. This is great. You know, you can judge. Paul says, we're like, we've passed through judgment already. I love this. It's like, like he's judging us. He's, he's judging us righteously. This is great. But it's the condemnation maybe that if, if you had that, that, that is not. Yeah, I think that's really huge, like, massive element you you've got to have it in context of anything we do in our life we're, we're mimicking god aren't we we're, we're being christ-like we're walking in in his ways and i think that's what i love about um in john 16 when it talks about the holy spirit's ministry you know this is this this the personal holy spirit that resides in us that is there to guide us to lead us to comfort us and his ministry is threefold it says he says it'll convict the world of sin not individual sins but this context of being in unbelief, apart from God. He says, but, but he'll, believe, he'll convict the believers of righteousness. Um, and this word convict, um, the Greek word uh, elenko, I think it is, um, means to, to bring to light. Um, it's, it's this um, convincing of a, of a truth. And so his job, the Holy Spirit's job, and then the other part actually is quite funny, is a third of his ministry is to convict, uh, to, to remind the devil that he's, he's judged and lost. Um, it's like quite like that. One third of his ministry is just like reminding the devil, hey, by the way, you lost. Um, but, you know, his ministry to a believer is to convince you you're righteous. 
And so I think in that self-talk, in that, in that process of, of judgment, it's, we, yeah, we have to remember we are our worst enemy at times. You know, it's, it's really, um, we, we really can be, you know, that self-talk that, because we're feeding on um, the stuff that needs to be restored, the stuff that needs to be um, worked on. A lot of times that's what's driving us and that's what um, has that driving voice. And so I think it's really important to be like in that process evaluating, is this, does this look like Jesus? Does this look like Holy Spirit? Would Holy Spirit be right now sitting going, Rachel, you're an idiot because you did this and this and this and this and this. No. You'd be like, Rachel, this is who you truly are and you're like this and this and this and this. And hopefully that leads you to go, there's a whole bunch of stuff that isn't compatible with that and you don't beat yourself up for it, but you go, okay, so if this is who I am and that's not who I am, again, all that kind of does is then it starts to highlight the fruit and you go, oh, that's bad fruit then. That's not fruit of who I am. So why is this coming up? Um, so hopefully when we do that, it's, all it's doing is highlighting stuff that we can then trace that back to beliefs. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Perhaps one example uh, from my life, uh, and therefore um, I thought it has also to do with breaking through or renewing our minds because I really grew up in a family where negative thoughts are more than common and uh, when I um, how do I say that do you know what I mean and uh, to get uh, this breakthrough um, and I think Paul uh, says uh, something uh, important uh, uh, for me in, in this uh, situation. It was, I think, in a in the German translation, it's uh, better, but um, nevertheless, <laughs> um, he writes um, to the Corinthians um, in Corinthians two, uh, well, uh, chapter ten. For so uh, the. Uh, it's so <laughs> written. Um, for so um, we live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight um, with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish. Stro- uh, sorry, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient uh, to Christ. And it goes uh, on in this way. And uh, this was for me in my personal uh, situation uh, where I grew up a really breakthrough. Yeah, I I think that's huge because that's like, it's one of our favorite passages for spiritual warfare, isn't it? And we talk about it all the time, but actually, it's all about our thoughts. It's saying, look, take captive of your thoughts. Um, demolish arguments, you know, it's, and all these different things. And so um, he's just highlighting, look, this is all a journey of renewing your mind, renewing your mind, renewing your mind. And, and in some ways, um, I guess that's when we look at this judgment, it's actually doing the opposite of renewing your mind. It's, it's kind of creating, intentionally creating wrong beliefs. 
Um, and I think that's why it's so damaging. It's literally the opposite of repentance. So if repentance is to renew your mind and change the way you believe in a positive sense, then judgment is to change the way you believe in a negative sense. It's to, it's to have the, the facts that are real and then go, I'm going to go from there and create a whole world that isn't real and choose to live in it. I, and I couldn't think of anything more destructive um, because it's the opposite of that process in Corinthians. Um, do you have something you'd like to say? Yeah, I just wanted to add something. This was what I figured out is like the journey I'm on at the moment was that when, when I judge, that it's often actually not just that I don't value the other person. Often it's also that we don't that we don't value ourselves to it. It's like, for example, like what you were saying with this thing, like this guy ran up there and didn't say hi to you, and you're like, and obviously it was it was for some reason important to you that he would recognize you and just say hey, Philip, and he didn't do it. And often then we like start to think, and I do I do this a lot, um, like think or start to interpret like oh, why didn't he say hello? Like you know, like what what is going on? And then but then we make it so complicated through this instead of actually saying. I really need this hug, or I need this attention, or whatever. And then just saying, you know, like, hey, can you see me? It's like with my friends, one of my friends. I don't know, he had, like, this few weeks where he was really busy. And often he wouldn't just say, like, when you would see him, sometimes he would say, hey. And suddenly when we were somewhere at the party, he just le- left. And then I was like, why didn't, he, why didn't he say goodbye? It's something, you know. And for me, it's like some people who are, like, especially people who are important to us. It's like, for me, something, when, I, when I'm going with them somewhere, I want them to say goodbye. I want them to say, hey, was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And often then, like, because it's, it's a value of me, it's something that's on my heart that I really, that, where I feel loved, you know, like, I don't know if making myself vulnerable and actually saying this. Um, I think it's so important, especially also for all the, I think it's the key for relationships, like, it's honest communication, like, constantly. Um, because I know for my life, like, for myself, there's so many walls got built up with people sometimes because it was just, it was just judging my I think that's for me is, um, you know, my, my big thing, I think probably my biggest area full stop in my life has been this, um, this need for acceptance, this fear of rejection. Um, you know, I can trace back most of the major suffering periods of my life came because I was living a fear of rejection. And actually, often your fear of rejection becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy as well. Because what you do is you, you start to think about something. You go, oh, Rachel doesn't want to be around me. She doesn't like me because X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. Um, and actually, you create this whole world that now you're living in. So now my relationship with Rachel goes downhill. And it ends up that me and Rachel aren't friends anymore because I created a big barrier and a big wall between us. And, um, and so I think... Being conscious of the battles you're facing. Because the truth is, we probably have about 3,008 things that we probably need to deal with, right? But the, but the truth is, God's so gracious, isn't he? Like, and you see this all the time when you look at someone else and go, they really need to work on this. And, and you talk to them and, God, and they're like, oh, God's teaching me about this. And you're like, really? That's the thing that God's teaching you about, right? You know, anyone do that? No, <laughs> just me. Okay, judgment. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, <laughs> but... He's so gracious and going, actually, this is what I'm going to teach you about right now. This is what I'm going to work with you right now. Let's, let's work on this. And, and, and very rarely is God going to have you working on 25 different things at once. He just, he's so gracious going, this is an area I really want you to focus on. And I think that's something that I really found has helped me is, is knowing that, honestly, rejection is my big, big thing. Like it really, really is a, a huge I – I, 
just constantly, if I go into judgment mode, it's usually because I feel rejected. And so um, just yesterday, I had plans to see some people. I have not seen them for months. And we made plans six weeks out. And they're like, we're going to, they were coming to sale. We're going to hang out for the whole day. Um, I was really looking forward to it. Get a text at nine in the morning. And I sent them a text on Thursday saying, hey, what's the plan on Sunday? Like, what time are you guys getting here? Blah, blah, blah. Get a text nine o'clock in the morning on the Sunday going, hey, we can't actually make it anymore. Sorry. That was it. Oh, rejection. All my buttons are getting pressed right now. You know, it's like they're getting sledgehammered. You know, it's not even like just a touch. It's like they've pulled a sledgehammer out and they just whacked my rejection button. And I'm like, ah, and I'm like, okay, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And I'm like, nope, still doing it anyway. I can't, I can't stop doing it. I feel really rejected right now. Um, and so it's funny. I, I went and talked to one of my friends and we end, I ended up hanging out with different folks anyway yesterday and doing different things. But I, I was talking to one of my friends and they're mutual friends with these people. And, uh, and I was just saying, oh, I feel really hurt because I've, I've decided to judge these people and I feel really hurt by them. It feels like they've rejected me. And they're like, oh, actually, they're going through this, this, and this right now. Some big stuff's happening in, in their lives and this. And I sent this massive long message and he sent me like a one-word thing back going, like, I can't talk right now. I've got too much going on. I just can't process right now. And I'm like, ah, judgment. It's nothing to do with rejection, but ah, it's a button. And, and what I find is actually... One of the most helpful things is um, being aware of the thing that God's putting his finger on and going, we're working on this, right? So unfortunately, I've been working on this one for years. Um, I don't know if I'll get to any of the other stuff. Um, but it's like, we're going to work on this. We're going to work on, Phil, we're going to work on your issues with rejection, with your need for acceptance, with all this different stuff. And actually dialoguing with the people closest to you and going, you know what? One of my big issues right now that really for me, it presses all my buttons and freaks me out is when I feel rejected. And when your closest friends know that, they get to work with you in that as well. And they get to do things to actually help you become less likely to dive into that judgment. Um, and so, you know, like my close friends know for me, like, that's a big thing for me. Like, it really is. Like, I really have rejection issues that I need to work on. Like, and it's not actually I've been rejected that much. It's that I take everything as rejection. It's like, I need to work on that. And Whose issue is it? Mine. It's not any of the people that, even if someone rejects me, it's not their problem. They're responsible for themselves. That's, that's um, you know, or sorry, it's not my problem. It's their problem. They can deal with that. But I need to figure out how am I going to go through this healthy. And I'm going go through it better than I've ever done in my life. But I just know it's, it's, a, it's a button that gets pressed. Um, and so dialoguing with people as well and just going, you know, this is actually something that is really being highlighted right now. And this is, tends to be where I step into judgment is around this topic. Um, so I think I shared, I talked about this at church uh, like a year ago or some time ago. Um, and, uh, I remember when I first moved to sale, I was like, I need to like really create community here because I don't know anyone and I need community. I need to be around people. I need to have lots of friends and just do life well. And so I just was really intentional. I'd meet up with people every day go for coffees, go out at night, hang out, have people come around to my house. I, I rented an apartment that is way outside of my means so that I could fill it with people. And I knew that I'd have a place to bring people to and doing all this stuff. And I'm texting people every day. And, you know, every morning I text 10, 15, 20 people. Hey, how's your day? What are you up to today? How was yesterday? Or whatever. At the end of the day, I'll send those texts like, hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And that's not something that's actually that normal for me. I don't really do that, but I'm being super intentional. And it's, it was really hard for me because I'm being really intentional with all these relationships that nine times out of 10, and that's an understatement, probably a lot more than nine times out of 10, probably like 49 out of 50, 
The people in my life that I'm texting, I'm the one doing the texting. They're the ones occasionally replying. And it's really hard when you've got rejection issues not to be like, nobody wants to text me. No one's asking me how my day was. So like, I wake up in the morning, the first thing I'm doing is texting all my friends going, hey, how was your day? If I don't text anyone, it's like three in the afternoon. I've still not got any texts saying, hey, how was your day? And I'm like, ah, oh, my rejection issues, you know? And it's nothing to do with any of these people rejecting me. They just don't text as much or, or whatever, right? Like I, that's not my default either. I've made it my default because I really want to be intentional. Um, and so just being aware of the stuff that God's putting your fingers on, again, it's another massive tool that stops you stepping into judgment. Because time and time again, things happen and I go, ah, and I'm like, I, I can feel myself wanting to ask why, but I can also feel myself going, this is the rejection thing. And I know when I feel rejected, my immediate response is to start judging and to give a whole reason for why people are rejecting me. When I know 99 times out of 100, nobody, nobody cares enough to reject. They're not even in that zone. They're just doing something else, you know? And so someone cancels on you last minute. They've got stuff going on. It's got nothing to do with you. It just doesn't, right? You know, or someone doesn't show up to your party. Oh, they had a car crash. It wasn't anything to do with you, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? But for, but for me, I'm at my party going, no, oh, they don't like me anymore, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, it's like, you're an idiot, Phil. You are an idiot. Like, absolute idiot, right? And that's probably not, then that's me then stepping into the not partnering with Holy Spirit moment. But like, I'm like, come on, Phil, pull it together. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just really helpful to be self-aware. Knowing what God's teaching you, what this stuff is, you know, when you go through your souls and go, ah, oh, that's my issue, and here's the root beliefs, and, and you're going to work on that. But again, that's not a, it's not a night day moment. It's not a black white. It's not an immediate process, is it? And on one level, it is. We step out of it. And we're like, oh, I'm free. That's great. But there's still a process where we have our old patterns and our habits and our beliefs, and we step into them time and time again. You know, in that journey, and we we get better and better and better, and freer and freer and freer. And to the degree that we just feel completely free potentially, but it's still a bit of a journey, isn't it? And so knowing what journey you're on helps you not step into judgment. I mean, I'm an expert at judging and spending just weeks and weeks and weeks thinking about somebody or something or what they said and and, and dreading it, kind of having the, the time where you just think, please don't do that because I can't deal with this three weeks of not being able to get over something that actually probably didn't even happen. And I think it's, um, it's a matter of protecting your inner meditation. And that's why, you know, it's, it, Paul says, you know, think about these things. Think about whatever's good, whatever's lovely, whatever's virtuous, whatever's noble. Think about it. Because as human beings, we just have this tendency for the meditation of our heart to stray into destruction, which is what it becomes. And then some of us even get sick because of it, because the resentment and the bitterness and the... It honestly does eat you up and cause disease sometimes. And it's like, no, it's not like a super spiritual religious kind of thing to be meditating on God all day. It's actually where our life comes from, and it's where where peace and hope and joy and and being able to live comes from and it's like i mean i was really helped when phil spoke in church really uh helped a lot just to to realize this difference between observation yes that happened but i'm just not going to draw conclusions you did this because you know 
I had a problem with Shara moving my shoes in the house because I thought if she moved my shoes, she just didn't want me in the house. It took me weeks to get over the fact she'd moved my shoes. Honestly, I mean, it's just pathetic. It's like weeks and weeks and weeks of just being off balance and, you know, just not being, just can't even find God eventually because Sharon doesn't like the mess of my shoes in the kitchen. Not because she doesn't like me. Bless her, she keeps my shoes in the kitchen now. <laughs> but it is, but it's like, it's almost getting to the point of not like, um, Oh, woe is me, life is just so awful. But actually, I have responsibility for the meditation of my heart. Because God says we do. He says, you think about this. He doesn't say, poor old you, it's just inevitable that if this happens, life's going to be terrible for three weeks or three months or whatever. And um, and just protecting it. And we can. But it's a, that is, that's the warfare we're in, isn't it? But, but the amazing thing is that actually, it actually really does work. And, and, you know, there's sort of like some people that I just like have a bit of an issue with and they're just really, everything that they do kind of just always grates, doesn't it? And it's and, and when you learn to think, um, no, I'm not going to judge this, I'm not going to decide why you're doing it and I'm just going to keep my heart right, choose to believe the best in you. And actually, after a while, they, they don't irritate anymore. It's actually not a constant battle forever. It's just like, you think, God, did you completely change that person but actually just it doesn't just doesn't anymore and that's why there actually is a real relief from it and it does actually get better doesn't it and we still have like you say you just think there's days when you think yeah that's still there but you just know about it and um, so it's the meditation of our hearts any problems with your shoes Nikki? Also, I don't know. I think there's also one, one lie that that I think sometimes happens, especially like in this um, grace thing we we live like with knowing our identity and like you know knowing who we are, and that I think often when we like when there's stuff we struggle with or with people and we feel like I don't know unaccepted or hurt or whatever, often we think like we have to deal with that. I think like because if we would know our identity, like how much we are loved, if somebody says something about me, how I look like or or whatever, like something about me, then I shouldn't get hurt because if I know my identity, I wouldn't wouldn't care. But often we are just not there. And then instead of saying something, we try so hard, like to, you know, like I, I push through this, like I, I know, like because it's my fault, it's not the person's fault because I need to know who I am. But when we are not there, why don't we then just? I, I do this so often for myself. Why don't I then just you know, like actually, this really hurt me at the moment, and and this is something where I don't know my worth at the moment, so. Please stop it. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a slide, like, especially in my head, it's so often there. Because Just we are talking um, about the trigger point. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally. And I know them, and I know that there are, there are moments inside of me that uh, have to be healed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay, right? Isn't it? Like, to. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's okay to be on a journey. Yeah, like, exactly. This is a journey. Like, it's totally acceptable to be on a journey. And uh, like I was saying, like, there's this, there's this kind of tension where people either do one thing or the other. So we either internalize it and we become a punching bag and go, oh, it's just my fault. Like, I can deal with it. Like, and I, like, I should just get over it and I should work on this. And, this. And, and, and in one sense, anything that anyone ever does to you 
is your problem, not theirs at the end of the day. On some level, if it hurts you, it's your problem. You can deal with it. You can figure out how to become a better, more healthy, more whole human being where it doesn't punch all your buttons and all that. Yeah, true. But also, you're a human being. Give yourself some grace for crying out loud, right? And so, like, yeah, I want to be on that. Like, we were just talking about this earlier, but, like, I want to be on that journey of getting better. And, and every, every time something happens, I want to go, okay, God, what does this reveal about where I'm at and what's going on in my life? And how can I become a better, more well-rounded human being? Like, how do I become more in your image? How do you transform me to look more like you in this situation so that I can do that? But I am going to be in this situation, and it's a journey, and I'm probably going to take more than 10 minutes to figure this one out. Maybe. Maybe sometimes not. Maybe it's, I mean, I've had those immediate transformations and completely set free, and it's amazing. Other ones seem like more of a process. And I'm like, if it's a process, I'm going to need to figure out how to make this a bit easier for myself. I'm going to dialogue with people. I'm going to ask the why. When people hurt me, I go, hey, what was going on there? Did you mean something when you said this? Or when you did that, what, what were you thinking? Because you know, it actually really hurt me. And they go, oh, sorry, I wasn't thinking of you. Or, oh, I hate you and I want to hurt you a lot. Like, whatever it is. And then we go boundaries or we go, oh, I'm being silly or whatever. But talking and dialoguing has to be... Like, relationship has to be the driving force because, you know, there's just nothing more important. You know, your dreams, your visions, your goals, all that different stuff is completely and utterly meaningless if you can't do relationships well. Um, and, and in one sense, until you deal with what's going on here, your relationships are always going to be marred with all sorts of insecurity and self-worth issues and all sorts of different stuff. So you, you have to deal with that. But you can't become this island where you're just dealing with that because you're going to be around other people, you know? And so you have to start dialoguing. You have to start um, doing well in that area. So, yeah, I think that's it's just absolutely, it's finding um, balance in all, and it's grace in all. None of this is you changing you. This is all God revealing himself, revealing who you are, constantly speaking life into who you are. And when things hurt, you turn to God and go, God, what does this say about who I truly am and who I'm not being right now? How can I be who I truly am in this situation? How can I step into that stuff? And he goes, hey, you're believing this. I want you to believe this because this is the truth. You know, and so it's, it's this constant, like, it's a graceful transformation as well. It doesn't, I don't want it to become a work thing. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's, it's really important to have that balance and not kind of, fall to either side and i i do that at times i i find myself doing one or the other and you know you either become the martyr and you just go ah i'll just change and you know i'll be saint-like and everything that ever happens to me i'll just follow my own swords and it'll be wonderful and but it's not it's not healthy at all actually and you know you can't just become someone's whipping post to do that um but i go on the other side as well all the time and i'll be like oh actually it's it's all these people's problems and if i just create enough boundaries and that's fine but then you have like five new people coming to your life oh now i need to fix boundaries with them and oh look there's still you know almost seven billion more people to do so that's going to take me a while if i don't just deal with what's going on inside and so i don't want to be either side and i don't even want to flip-flop either i kind of want to just do it well somewhere down the middle um but yeah seems good what time is it okay we have time for one more question Just like, just like about when, when we feel wounded, I think there is something beautiful about our humanities and that we're not completely un, 
untouchable, isn't it? And like unscathable. But like I was talking to someone the other day and, and they were like, I'm having a really difficult time. My, my family is going through this and it's bringing out a lot of stuff in me. And I just thought, I'm thankful like that she feels wounded because that wound has opened her up to let go of whatever's festering inside. So it's almost like we when we have like an operation, it's to remove something and then we heal back up again. Like I wouldn't want to heal back up without that thing being dealt with. And, and sometimes it is like, you know, there's still a little bit of something left over. But I just thought, oh, like, sometimes, like, I'm really thankful when somebody presses my buttons. I'm not at the time. But afterwards, it's like, that's just the pointer towards something I really want to be without and I can deal with it. And next time, I, won't, I will be immune to that, to that situation in a way of I'm healthy, so I'm not going to be affected by it. Um, I think that's that's the kind of concept of that restorative fire thing and i think that's the thing is every situation in life you have the opportunity to become a better person good bad indifferent whatever it is you're going through today you can become a better more whole more perfected version of who you have always been you know you, you get to chip away all the crap that you put on yourself or whatever it is and you get to move forward and i think that's the beauty of of christianity is that Anything that happens, ultimately, as much as we transform the world, as much as we change our relationships, as much as we um, step into that situation and, and heal that person or raise that person from the dead, the truth is, and I told my maybe it's not the truth, it's, my opinion is, um, I think we're more changed than anything else. I think we are the ones that are transformed more than anything we, we actually transform in some sense. And I think... You know, I heal the sick, but I think in that process, I actually become more transformed than the person that got healed. Because <laughs> God reveals something to me. He teaches me something. He, 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 I don't know. There's just so much that goes on in that process. And, you know, or, and, and it can be good and it can be bad, the terrible stuff that happens. And sometimes it isn't even transformed to good that we can see, right? You know, so, oh, your loved one gets cancer and they die. You know, that's not really a, he turned all things to good in my mind. I'm like, that just kind of went from crap to crap to crap to really crap right? And you're like, oh, that just seems bad. But actually, there's this incredible, um, restorative, redemptive, beautiful process in which I can become transformed in that process. And, you know, hopefully that person gets healed or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it, but I'm just saying sometimes it doesn't seem on the surface that everything's become even better and more amazing and um, everyone's get healed or raised from the dead or whatever. But there's still this internal process that in every situation, we get the journey. We get to experience a, a growth and a, you know, you talk about Romans, you know, suffering, persevering, and it's this process, isn't it? Um, we rejoice in suffering because there's a process that then makes us a better, more whole, more rounded human being. It draws us closer to God. It, it does all these different elements. And so um, I think, yeah, there's a beauty in the suffering. And, um, Nikki teasing me because I, I will talk about how good suffering is way too much, I think, sometimes for her liking. Um, but I think it's because we, we focus on how great being great is. And we're charismatics, right? We want everyone to be healed and to be blessed and to be prosperous and all that. And I want all that. Like, I believe that's God's will for us. But actually, when it doesn't work, I love it because it's a great opportunity for me to grow. And the truth is, I don't know if we're ever closer to our fellow human beings than when we suffer. I don't know if I'm as close to someone that's 
got a job, a new job, like I got a new job. That's great. Wonderful. But you know what? Oh, you're suffering with your mom has cancer? Well, my mom has cancer. I really feel close to you. In a way that we just got a new job, I don't feel that same depth of, I'm woven into your life right now, just in you sharing that. You know, when you go to the dinner party and uh, there's a guy at the dinner party and he's telling you, oh, yeah, I was born into this great family. They're really amazing, all of them, really. My father's a neurosurgeon. My mother's a lawyer. And we've had everything we ever wanted. And we'd holiday in the Caribbean. And then uh, basically everything in my life has gone completely perfect to every way. Nothing's ever gone wrong. Uh, just wonderful. Do you even care about this person? You know what I mean? You're like, Okay, great. You sit down at the dinner table and there's this person and they go, oh, I walked walk through this hardship. You know, I was born into a single mom family and, you know, I went through this and then this happened in my life and this. And you, you feel this depth of connection with that person because they've suffered. And I think there's something about suffering that it brings us close together. It helps us grow. It helps us learn. And so not God's plan, but there's something about it that's beautiful, like you said. Like, it's, it's this beautiful opportunity for people to grow, for people to, to uh, get a depth with God that they probably didn't get while they were just going from glory to glory to glory in one sense. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, sometimes it's, it's a... Well, I don't think we glorify and we look to suffer, but I think we embrace suffering. That's what Romans 5 is talking about, isn't it? We, we see suffering and we go... I'm going to grab you with everything I've got and dive in. And, and, and I'm going to allow this to transform me, to change me, and to transform the people around me and, and use it as an opportunity to transform people's lives. Um, there's just something about it. I remember when I was going through um, my divorce, my wife had left me, and um, I was, um, hadn't really told many people. I told a few people down here. Um, I was up in Aberdeen with my family, and maybe like my family knew, Timo knew, Andy and Sharon knew. That was about it, I think. Um, and I was in Aberdeen and I was talking to this guy I barely ever met. I think I met him like twice. And uh, I'm chatting with him. We're just catching up. And I just got distracted. I just didn't want to be in my own head. So I was like, yeah, I'll go out for um, to hang out at your house and we'll just catch up or whatever. I barely know this guy, but he was the only guy that asked me if I wanted to hang out that night. And I'm like, I don't want to be alone with my thoughts. I want to hang out. Went around and chatting with him. And he just goes, what's going on in your life? And I'm like like, I don't know. So I was just like starting to just give the whole blah, 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 you know, like, oh, I've done this and this and this. The, the usual kind of, I don't want to talk about anything serious. So the small talk. And, and God just kind of stops me in my, my tracks. And he's like, Phil, I want you to tell him about what's going on in your life. And I'm like, I've told my mom and dad and that's about it. You know what I mean? I'm like, I haven't told my best friends this. Um, and I'm like, oh, whatever. I don't really know this guy. Let's go. So I just, I start telling him, I'm like, this is what's going on. I just shared for like five, 10 minutes. And this guy, I barely know him. We've maybe hung out twice before three times before and he's got tears running down his cheeks in five ten minutes and and i and i stop and i'm like you okay and he's like just today my girlfriend broke up with me after four years and i just really felt he's not a christian at all he's like but i really felt i should contact you and see if you want to hang out he's like i don't know why he's just like i just thought i should and 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 we just connected on this incredible level that if i wasn't suffering if i hadn't shared my sufferings if i hadn't allowed someone else to share in my sufferings we wouldn't have had this opportunity to grow and to feel relief and to feel compadre. You know, there's something in that. And actually then the next day I was on a plane um, and this guy's sitting next to me and he's chatting to me. He's got a new iPhone. I think I asked him, did he like it or something? We're chatting. And, and then he just like decides, he's, he goes, uh, so 
why were you in Aberdeen or something like that? Or why are you going to Manchester? And, and um, I think I'd mentioned that I was living in Dublin before or something. He's like, why are you going to Manchester then? And I was like, I can't remember what I was going to say. I was saying, oh, I'm visiting friends, which is kind of true. But then God said to him, tell him why. And I'm like, the guy's sitting on a plane. I don't know this guy. Like, and, uh, and I'm like, oh, whatever. And so I was like, oh, I'm actually going through a really hard time. My wife chose, chose to leave me, and it's, you know, I'm really quite upset. But like, I was with my family in Aberdeen, and now I'm going to Manchester. And he's like, dude, he's like, the reason I'm flying to Manchester is um, I'm trying to win my girlfriend back. She left me, and blah, blah, blah. And we start connecting on this massively profound level. We ended up, I invited him to come into the lounge with me, and we chatted for another couple of hours. And, and there's something about... I don't know, being real with your suffering as well and allowing people to engage with it and, and just being real with who you are. Um, I don't know, it is beautiful. That's completely like, whew, I don't even know why I went all that way, but I don't know, it's just there is something beautiful about it. Um, and I think we should be careful to sweep suffering under the rug in the charismatic kind of charismania of prosperity, goods, glory, glory, glory. That's what I'm going for. That's what God's for. That's what he's, his will is. But it doesn't always happen, and I think we should embrace and live now when it doesn't happen. I don't want to live in the future when there's an opportunity for me to live now. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to pull the future into now, but I'm going to embrace now and, and, and walk through it and learn and, and grow. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.